Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Golden Knights podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Welcome back to the Locked On Golden Knights podcast. I'm Jack Manning. I'm joined by my co-host, AJ Alexander. AJ, the Minnesota Wild get dropped by the Vegas Golden Knights 5-4 to four in overtime. What did you think of tonight's game? It looked bad there for the Vegas Golden Knights for a little bit there, but look, what a comeback, especially for the first time any fans are in attendance in T-Mobile this year. That's absolutely right. The Vegas Golden Knights finally welcome back about 10% of the, their capacity into T-Mobile Arena, and man, did they put on a show, and especially Mark Stone, who puts up five primary assists o- over the course of two periods, starting with uh, an assist on Cody Glass's power play goal, followed by an assist on Max Pacioretty's power play goal, and then sets up both Nick Haig, Alex Tuck, and then finally, one more for Max Pacioretty in overtime to be just one of a handful of players to put up five assists in a single game. AJ, did you know that the all-time record for number of assists in a single game is seven? Uh, and that's held by Wayne Gretzky. The second place is a five-way tie at six, also held by Wayne Gretzky uh, and several <laughs> other folks. And then finally, uh, there's... Mark Stone and a handful of other guys that have five assists in a single game. Golden Knights fans really did get a chance to witness one of the all-time great performances, not only in Golden Knights history, but in the NHL tonight. But it didn't exactly build up that way, right? I mean, look, we had a, a pretty good first period where the Golden Knights really dominated play more or less. You saw a couple of posts get hit by uh, both uh, Cody Glass and Jonathan Marsh or so. Otherwise, the Golden Knights played really well. However, scoreless first period. And then the second period saw the Wild score four goals. So it wasn't exactly looking like Mark Stone's game the entire time, was it? No, it, sh- it sure wasn't. In fact, if you look at the advanced statistics and you know how much I really <laughs> don't think about advanced statistics, but they do help to describe what happened in the game. In the first period, the Golden Knights controlled 65% of the even strength shot attempts. Meanwhile, in the second period, they controlled just 32% of the even strength shot attempts. But then again, in the third period, they controlled 75% and then ultimately all of the shots on net, all of the scoring attempts in overtime because they just dominated that overtime period. Right. And again, in that second period, it it looked perilous for Vegas for quite a while there, especially even bleeding into the third period. But Marc-Andre Fleury caught out of position a couple of times in that second period. You know, not exactly goals that he you know, would give up typically, but just goals that just happen. I mean, he was just out of position trying to glove the first one 
Yeah, I mean, that that first goal, sir, certainly not his his finest moment in the world, but by no stretch of the imagination was that four-goal onslaught uh, all Marc-Andre Fleury's fault. I, right, I, absolutely were, not. There were some pretty weak moments and some pretty weak performances overall. And in fact, I think when you look back at what Dylan Coughlin did in tonight's game, it shouldn't be much of a surprise that he played hardly at all in the third period. He was essentially uh, taken out of the game to to give the Golden Knights a chance to double double shift a guy like uh, Shea Theodore, double shift a guy like Alex Petrangelo so the Golden Knights could ultimately claw their way back to this 5-4 overtime win. As you and I were talking during the game, you made a, a really interesting point that the the Minnesota Wild were really able to dominate the second period much more so than they were in the first and third. What do you think brought that about? I mean, honestly, I think that is just Minnesota being greasy as far as their goals. The goals they had weren't exactly pretty plays. They were grimy, greasy goals, but credit goes to them for doing it. I mean, this is a team that came in with one of the longest winning streaks in the NHL. The Minnesota Wild were on a six-game winning streak looking for their seventh win, and the Golden Knights broke the streak, clinching not only their lead over the Minnesota Wild in total points, but clinching the lead over the entire uh, West Division because the St. Louis Blues won this evening as well, and they were looking for the, to, to hang on to first place uh, for what was left uh, of the Golden Knights game when they finally closed it out. We're talking about that second period where Cody Glass got his first goal in 10 games, but what ultimately matters is that third and really overtime. So let's talk about that a little bit. Mark Stone, five assists on the game, and you saw it through the third, trying to claw back in and then ultimately in overtime for the win. Let's talk about what everybody cares about, the comeback and the actual victory. Yeah, so Max Pacioretty, not only did, did he bury that overtime goal, but really he he and Mark Stone continue to be one of the most effective duos in the entire NHL. Um, you know, it, it's, it's even that more impressive that they're doing this without a, a true bona fide number one center. We talked a little bit yesterday about how the Golden Knights are, are relatively weak down the middle. Uh, and even though both uh, Stevenson and Cody Glass ended up with points tonight, this was a game that was created, won, and dominated by exactly two players, and that's Max Pacioretty and, and Mark Stone. Let's give a little bit of credit to Nick Haig in the third period, where the third period was pretty quiet, pretty uneventful, until the Haig goal, which was an absolute bomb from the line. I mean, that really changed momentum in general for the Golden Knights. And then what we saw was 41 seconds left. Alex Tuck with 41 seconds left with a redirect goal. That was the second redirect of the night. And it really looks like the Golden Knights are finally putting a more of an emphasis on net front presences. Yeah, exactly right. And with, with guys like... Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty who can find their way to making passes and making shots that are going to find other guys sticks. Those redirect goals are going to become even more important. 
those are the types of goals that the Golden Knights really could have used in their series against the Canucks and then in their series against the Dallas Stars last summer in the bubble. Those are the types of goals that would have gotten them uh, ultimately to the Stanley Cup final. And so it's nice to see that they're finding ways to make those goals work when they just can't seem to get it to go on a goalie that's having a a pretty good night. They're finding ways to create traffic, to make it difficult on the goalie so that they can bury those pucks in any way that they need to. Credit has to go to Marc-Andre Fleury. Look, he let in four goals, but ultimately he made stops when the team really needed them the most. Yeah, you know, I I don't have any problem with the way that Marc-Andre Fleury played tonight. Yeah, there are a couple of goals that I'm sure he would have liked to have had back. But at the end of the day, what he really was was a victim to, at least on a couple of those, to two pretty young defenders in Nick Haig and Dylan Coughlin, who combined uh, were on the ice for, for two goals apiece. And I, th- I think the other thing to, to look at here is that Thomas Nosek was also on the on the the ice for three of those goals. And so this is a guy that hasn't played a game in almost a month being out uh, on the COVID protocol list. So you can really forgive him not being in, in tip top game shape, not having the the timing and the rhythm that you would expect for a guy that that would otherwise be almost 20 games into his season. So we're going to be back in just a few minutes to talk about the AHL's goaltender of the month, uh, who we'll talk about just after the break. But first, did you know that chain auto parts stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available to you for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know who sent you. Again, go to RockAuto.com. Now before we get back to talking about the AHL's best goalie, uh, let's talk just for a second about locked on bets because betting on hockey doesn't have to be a a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team, favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. So we're back at the Locked On Golden Knights podcast. I'm Jack Manning and I'm joined by my ever illustrious co-host AJ Alexander. AJ, the Golden Knights while they had an outstanding win tonight, the AHL Henderson Silver Knights had a player receive an award today that was really quite impressive. Logan Thompson, goalie of the month. Yeah, Logan Thompson, the AHL goalie of the month. This is a guy that was an undrafted goaltender uh, out of the WHL, just like uh, Yuri Patera. He played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, the the team that was formerly owned by Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon. And uh, Logan Thompson was not a guy that was expected to do anything in the hockey world. He didn't get drafted. He, he didn't immediately turn pro. In fact, he went to go play for Canadian University uh, system, the U Sports system, and 
99 times out of 100, if not more, once a guy enters the U-sport system, he can essentially kiss his prospects of becoming a pro hockey player goodbye. But after just one season in the U-sports league, Logan Thompson goes to the ECHL, which is essentially the bottom tier pro league in the United States is just about the best goaltender in the ECHL last year, signs his pro contract with the Vegas Golden Knights, and is now the, the leading goaltender in the entire AHL after five games going 4-1 and one and putting up one heck of a stat line. And look, it's a small sample size, but it really is encouraging. Again, to what I alluded to earlier, the goaltending system, as far as the pipeline goes from the Prospect pool to the Golden Knights has always been looked at as the weak spot of the prospects, but now not necessarily. Yeah, you know, if you had asked me in October, where is the big hole in the Golden Knights prospect pool, it would have been an easy answer to say, well, it's in net. There are a couple of guys that are interesting in Yuri Patera uh, and Isaiah Seville, but now we've got a guy that at you know he's six foot four, a huge body, is athletic, really has a, a nice rhythm to his game, uh, and doesn't seem to be intimidated by by the big moments in the game. Uh, now that being said, he is already twenty four, so he's not a, a he's not a spring chicken by by any stretch. Sure. A relatively older player, but Right now, I'd have a hard time saying that he isn't fighting for that number three spot on the on the goaltending depth chart uh, for the the entire Vegas system. And because the Golden Knights have their farm team uh, here locally in Las Vegas, even though they're the Henderson Silver Knights, they're playing at the Orleans, because we have them here in Vegas, it makes it that much easier for the Golden Knights to to trade off between those two guys while Robin Leonard is injured. Uh, and you know that's that actually leads to another interesting point in that Robin Leonard has now been out of the Golden Knights lineup for nine straight games, meaning that Mark Andre Fleury has had to play the the entire length of that time. You have pretty to, long time in a fifty six game season. Yeah, exactly. He's played one fifth of the season essentially uh, without any relief. So you have to wonder. Is either Oscar Dansk or Logan Thompson going to get a game before Robin Leonard is is back in action? If it goes much longer, I don't know that they have a choice. Right. You don't. I mean, you hear McPhee and Foley both talk about how they don't want Fleury to be burned out anymore. And that's the one of the main reasons why they traded for Robin Leonard in the first place. And here we go sort of burning out flurry <laughs> as we speak. So like you said, I mean, you look at Thompson and even if he does become just a reliable backup, that's a win. He's an undrafted prospect. Yeah, exactly. And if, if there's even a remote chance that Logan Thompson can eventually be a starter in the NHL three or four years down the line, you know, I'll, I'll take those odds every day of the week because it costs the Golden Knights nothing but money to get him into the system. And right now, at least as compared to the other prospects in the system, he seems to be leading the way. So I'll sign up for that kind of action all day, every day. We'll be back in just a second to talk a little bit more about another Golden Knight who is no longer with either the Silver Knights 
or the Golden Knights. But first, I want to talk to you just for a second about betonline.ag. Because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Yeah, football's over, but the NBA, college basketball, and especially the NHL are in full swing. And BetOnline covers everything you could ever want to bet on. From award shows to TV shows, reality, television. You can even go out and bet on whether or not Marc-Andre Fleury will score a goal this year. Uh, Because BetOnline is the only place that I trust to bet on on anything sports-related online. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. So remember, BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook expert. AJ, you were telling me just a few minutes ago about how upset you are that the Henderson Silver Knights have lost one of their top players. They just lost a point-per-game player in the AHL, 20-year-old Peyton Krebs. Yeah, Peyton Krebs heads back to the WHL, not out of any fault of his own, not because he wasn't <laughs> the best player on the Henderson Silver Knights, because he absolutely has been. the fault of been. the league, right? Well, it's, it's the fault of a number of circumstances. First of all, the fact that he got to play in the AHL at all this year it is a bonus. It's a, it, it's, it's a blessing. Amen. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is a, a situation that otherwise wouldn't have popped up because traditionally, and in fact, in almost every situation, players that are drafted out of the Canadian hockey league, those are the junior leagues, the OHL, WHL and QMJHL players drafted out of those leagues are not allowed to play in the AHL until the season in which they turn 20 uh, by December 31st. So basically if you're not 20 by December 31st, you have to stay in your junior league. And that was the case with Peyton Krebs, but because the WHL wasn't yet operating and still isn't yet operating, uh, he got an opportunity to come in and play five games for the silver Knights and show that he is really knocking on the doorstep from being an effective NHL player. He, he will cut you off there. Sure. What exactly is the point of sending him back to the WHL just because of the agreement they had before, because he's, I mean him and I'm sure he's not the only player to prove that he's able, and this is a different sort of situation this year. Why not just make an exception? I mean, what's what's the motivation behind not making the exception is, I guess, my question. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a contractual agreement between the CHL and the NHL because the CHL feeds the vast, vast majority of talent into the NHL. Something like 70% of the players that are in the NHL now played in the CHL. And the only way that those teams remain viable the CHL teams remain viable, able to continue to operate is if they have these young star players in their lineup to to get eyes on screens and butts in chairs. And unfortunately the Winnipeg ice, which is the team that Krebs plays for. If Peyton Krebs is not in that lineup, that's a team that is not going anywhere in the playoffs. They're not, potentially even going to make a dent enough to make the playoffs. And so you send these players back to go play in these places, to be stars, to be absolute game breakers, to get butts in chairs and to get eyes on screens so that those teams can continue to push out 
grade A talent like Peyton Krebs in future years. And so one of the things that a lot of you know, talking heads like myself have pontificated about <laughs> is, well, maybe these teams should just get a cash bonus from their NHL teams to let these kids stay in the AHL. And while I think that's an awesome idea, right. there's not a ton of extra cash floating around the NHL right now. So maybe that happens in the future, but there was just no way that it was going to happen this year under these circumstances. So Krebs will go back. He'll play 24 games for the Winnipeg ice, maybe do a playoff run. And my guess is he will be back with either the Henderson silver Knights or the Vegas golden Knights before the season is over. Uh, just because when the golden Knights head into their own playoff run, when the Golden Knights are ready to, to start taking on these huge teams and, and injuries start to pile up, other than maybe a, a Jack Dugan or a, you know somebody else who's high, high on the Silver Knights depth chart, Peyton Krebs, to me, is the next guy up on the depth chart Absolutely. versus guys that are currently in the lineup. Yeah, so so there's, one, there's one last guy that I want to talk about from – the Henderson Silver Knights, and that's Ryan Murphy. And I know you're going, who the hell is Ryan Murphy? And, and maybe that's exactly the point. Ryan Murphy is a guy that had eight points through 12 games in the KHL this year. He's a guy that was a former first-round pick about a decade ago. He's a guy that now is the leading scoring defenseman in the AHL. And he was always projected to be as a prospect. He was projected to be a superstar. He was a guy that was expected to be on the level of an Eric Carlson or, uh, or, or another elite defenseman with amazing puck skills. And he just was never able to put it together in North America. So he went over to Russia, racked up just outrageous point totals and came back and rather than getting an NHL deal, he signs an AHL only deal with the Henderson Silver Knights on a team that was going to be especially deep. And what's interesting about his deal is it doesn't give him the opportunity to even be called up to the Golden Knights if they need him. They would have to sign him to another contract just to use him with the big club. But as he leads the, the AHL in defensive scoring and he's shown himself to be defensively responsible, he puts the Golden Knights in an interesting position because as he plays on an AHL deal, any team in the entire league can sign him to an NHL deal. And there's nothing that the Silver Knights or the Golden Knights would be able to do about it unless they sign him first. And so I'm going to be really interested to watch as this 27-year-old player who is back from the KHL looking probably, I would think, to claim some of that high potential, some of that high-octane career that he had been projected to have when he was first drafted. I'm going to be curious to see if he remains on the Silver Knights all season or whether somebody takes a flyer on him and tries to put him into the NHL right away. I think there's there's a lot of reason to be a optimistic that the golden Knights are going to eventually sign him to a contract, but b uh, reason to be trepidatious uh, about whether or not someone else is going to scoop him right up. But in any event, it's awesome to see a player who had such a promising start to his career, uh, redeem himself a little bit in, in North America. Let me ask you a question because Ryan Murphy who through nine games as of this recording with Henderson has 10 points. Mm -hmm. 
He was a 12th overall pick by Carolina. But let me ask you this. There was a defenseman that you had a lot of hope for in the beginning, and that was a fourth overall pick, Griffin Reinhardt. Why is Ryan <laughs> Murphy maybe a little bit different than that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly asking because I know you did have high hopes for Griffin, but there are some big differences between the two, and I'd like to pick your brain as far as uh, exposing that to everyone who's listening. Yeah, so Griffin Reinhardt, I had I had really high hopes for him just because he was drafted fourth overall. But Griffin Reinhardt was a defenseman built for the game in 2003, not so much built for the game in 2013. When he was drafted, the big, heavy pylon defenseman was still an effective yeah. part of an NHL team. That doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, you look at the Golden Knights and their slowest defenseman is Nick Haig. And even Nick Haig's skating is is just fine now and is made up for by by a giant uh, a giant wingspan. Uh, meanwhile, Griffin Reinhardt was just always just deadly slow, didn't really have the offensive, uh, the offensive potential that a guy like Ryan Murphy did. Ryan Murphy on the other hand, might've been a defenseman that was a little bit ahead of his time. A guy that was more offense than defense, a guy that wasn't huge, needed a little bit of time to develop physically and might just be coming into his own as his brand of hockey is now a little bit more in vogue, a little bit more useful in today's NHL. And so like two ships passing in the night, (laughs) one guy's play style was headed up one guy's play style was headed down. And so I think what Ryan Murphy represents is a, is a guy who continues to grind it out, continues to fight for a place to play and ultimately finds uh, so, some degree of success. Meanwhile, I think Griffin Reinhardt might, might be done with hockey at this point, even though these two guys were drafted, uh, you know, pretty, pretty similar t- time in terms of you know, when they were drafted and where they were drafted. But unfortunately, we are just about out of time. But if you're still in the mood for more hockey talk, today's Locked On NHL is all about the East Coast biased as the Locked On Sabres host Joe DeBase and Mike DiStefano of Locked On Leafs take a look at the biggest stories in the Eastern Conference from Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin to the defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning, the up-and-coming Rangers, and everyone in between. Locked on NHL is the place for the Eastern Conference intel every Tuesday. So subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I'm Jack Manning, and I'm joined by my co-host, AJ Alexander, and we'll be back tomorrow for even more Locked on Golden Knights.